Welcome to Your Cyber Path, the podcast that helps you get your dream cybersecurity job by sharing the secrets of experienced hiring managers and top cybersecurity professionals with you. Now, on to the show. Hi, I'm Kip Boyle, and I'm here with my co-host, Jason Dion. And today, we're here with a guest. His name is Sebastian Whiting, and we're going to talk with him today about his transition into cybersecurity. Believe it or not, he came into cybersecurity recently from his work in the Navy uh, on nuclear submarines, and I think that's a pretty exciting transition uh, to, you know, to make. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, which is the more exciting uh, transition, uh, you know, going into cybersecurity or, or getting out of nuclear submarines, but we're going to find out today. So, Sebastian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kip. Uh, I'm, listen, it's, it's, I, I hope everybody's going to be, you know, paying uh, close attention because you and I, Sebastian, have been working together uh, now for, gosh, it's, it's, it's been over a year, right, since we first uh, started uh, working with each other, hasn't it? I, I think we're coming up right about two years. So. Oh, wow, even more. Uh, I think about this spring, it'll be two years. So um, two years ago, I think, is when I first kind of planted uh, the, the, the proverbial flag, you know, in the ground and said, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to uh, change career fields, look into something new. And I, I remember I was on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm not a huge social media person, but I, I figured it was good to make a LinkedIn post, right? And kind mm -hmm. of assert my intentions right and, and then people kind of hold you accountable because you you know now you've made it public and it kind of helps you to stay motivated and exactly. i was i was looking at posts and things and i was in a comment section and you were sharing about having spots in your course that you were launching and i said well i've got nothing to lose so let me see what this guy has to say <laughs> and so you know i i signed up and uh that course actually turned out to be a big part of helping me to develop my strategy, keep myself organized. And, you know, that's how I got to know you, Kip. And uh, I mean, the rest is, you know, kind of history, but that's what we're going to go through. So, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That is what we're going to go through. Now, um, I, I, I can't believe it's been two years already, but I, I want to say something to the audience here. So, um, I know a lot of people are very excited about transitioning into cybersecurity from wherever you happen to be right now, or maybe you're, maybe you're already, uh, you know, strongly in an IT role, maybe you even have an entry-level so-called uh, cybersecurity job, and now you, you feel like you're ready to be promoted, and, you know, I know you want to have that happen right away, but, but it rarely does happen as quickly as you'd like it to. It takes, you know, intention and effort and time. And I think Sebastian's story is going to be instructive because, you know, it took him a couple of years from the time that he really solidified his intention to do this until, you know, he's gotten to the point now where, uh, you know, where he's actually made that transition. And so that's, that's exactly what we want to talk about. And I also know that you've got a lot of other help along the way. You made this really amazing LinkedIn post uh, relatively recently, you know, where you said, Hey, everybody wanted to give you an update and, uh, you know, and you kind of, you know, walk through what the transition has been like, which I, that's, you know, we want to hear that in just a moment. And then you went and very, I thought very graciously named off, you know, several people who had helped you make your transition. And I think that's another really important um, aspect about people who want to make these career changes and, or get promoted is that, you know, you rarely do it alone and, you know, you really should be open to, to having help, but let's, let's go ahead and rewind. So, so Sebastian, take us take us back to 
uh, you know, two years ago when you first had this idea, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm leaving the Navy and, you know, what am I going to do next? How, how, how did you decide on cybersecurity as something to do next? Well, the first thing I kind of sat on was what do I, I not want to do? You know, so I, I wanted to get away uh, from, you know, shift work and, and being up all night, which that exists, right? There's 24 hour socks out there uh, where people are working shift work and all that, but it's not, um, it's not all the time, right? So kind of the way my future was going, I was looking at probably working at a power plant, something to that effect, you know, um, and that's something and nuclear. Is, uh, well, yeah, or at least, you know, power generation of some sort. Okay. And shift work is just the name of the game, right? You're, you're going to be working shift work no matter what. And I said, you know, I don't really want to do that anymore. It's hard on me. It's hard on my family. Mm. So I wanted something with a little more flexibility. And I can't really take too much credit for the idea because I, one of my best friends from the Navy was the uh, same job, uh, you know, in the Navy, it's called a rating, um, MOS and the other, you know, in the army and such. Uh, but we had the same rating and we got to know each other through the pipeline, the training pipeline and all that. And he actually made the jump before me. He had already been out of the Navy for about four years. Um, you know, went through a couple jobs, went back to school and then ended up in cybersecurity kind of ha not haphazardly maybe is the wrong word, but it just kind of happened. You know, he lots of people just back into it. Yeah, it just happened. And then he he started talking to me about it. And he said, hey, Sebastian, you really got to look at this. You know, it's it fits really well with what we did um, in an abstract sense. Um, you know, you just got to learn some new technical skills. And then after that, it's it's a really solid fit. And I think you'll really enjoy it because, uh, you know, you've always enjoyed computers. And I gave him a hard time. I said, it, it's funny that, you know, you're doing this IT work now because I remember when we met, you barely knew anything about a computer. <laughs> you know, it was pretty, I remember going with to Best Buy with him, um, you know, to get his first like real computer when we had first met. Wow. And wow. Uh, so it, it was, you know, an interesting transition, but that gave me that roadmap, you know, and it gave me something to follow. And, and that's really how I got started. You know, he said, go get your security plus. Um, it's going to be a whole lot to learn all at once, but it's going to give you a good, idea of where you want to go and he said and then from there just kind of kind of take it you know and and after that it was hours of research and and reading and, and that's when i applied for school um you know and and really got got moving with it so yeah so you know i i think it's interesting that you were a navy nuke because um, you know as i told kit before uh, i was a navy nuke as well i did my first four years in the navy as a nuclear et uh, which is a reactor operator and the one thing that we learn as nukes is how to study and retain information very, very quickly. Uh, we call it, you know, drinking from the fire hose because the way the Navy works is they take somebody off the streets who has no nuclear experience whatsoever and they give them two years of training where they're basically putting a four-year college degree in nuclear engineering into about an 18-month timeline. And so you are just working 50 to 60 hours a week trying to learn as much as you can to be able to run these nuclear reactors. And so what I found is any nuke who is getting out, even if they're not going to stay in the nuclear world, they do really well in organizations and places where they have to learn a lot of information in a very short period of time. And cybersecurity is one of those areas because we have a lot of certification exams. We have a lot of this changing world that we're always having to learn from. Um, did you feel that you know, your nuke background made it a little bit easier for you when you went to go do these certifications and go back to college? Oh, absolutely. You know, so I finished my bachelor's degree uh, at Prototype, 
which, you know, uh, for those of you that don't know, is one of the training facilities for the uh, Navy's nuclear propulsion program. So I was an instructor there for my last three and a half years uh, in the Navy. And so I finished my bachelor's there. And that's when I applied for graduate, uh, my master's degree program to get that started. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, right? Uh, the certifications made a lot of sense to me coming out of that program because everything is qualification-based, right? You you study for something, you take a test, and now you're allowed to do this new job function. And you just do this all the time and you just keep moving forward. And there's a constant pressure. And uh, that translates really well into the IT world and the cybersecurity realm, you know, specifically, like you said, Jason, where you know, you're always being pushed to get these next certs and, and to, to move up, right? Especially, um, you know, looking like the CompTIA certs, right? When I'm faced yep. with the idea of renewing a certification by retaking the same test or doing, you know, continuing education, or I can do something higher, it's a very easy decision for me to just go for the higher one. And it just flows. I don't know that I'll ever be able to stop, uh, you know, trying to up my certification game, even if it's just for my own personal gratification. And, um, you know, I know it's always a controversial topic when you talk about certifications and I've listened to you guys talk about it on the show, you know, trying to stay focused is definitely the big thing with that. Um, but it's easy. It, it's easy for me to pursue them because it just fits with what I've been doing for so long. So. Definitely. And so, you know, for those in the audience who don't know, in the Navy nuclear pipeline, you really don't have an opportunity to do a lot of IT work necessarily. The most IT related of the skill sets, the ratings as he called them, is the ETs, which are electronic technicians. But even there, we're not really doing um, IT in the sense that you do in a normal corporation. It's much more of the OT, the operational technology, things like SCADA and ICS systems mm -hmm. running, that run these nuclear reactor plants. Um, so it, it is not a directly transferable skill, but you can take some of those skills with you and bring them with you into the new world. And there's and definitely a need. I, I just want to point out there's definitely a need, right, in the cybersecurity uh, domain for people who have skills with operational technology, right? Because SCADA and PLCs and all that stuff. I mean, just go, just go read anything about Stuxnet, you know, if you want to yeah. understand what's at risk here, right? Absolutely. In fact, Stuxnet, uh, when I first read about that, that was a motivator for me because I was like, you know, here's the world I'm in, here's the world I want to go into, and here's where they're merging, right? I, I, can, I can straddle this. Um, and that's the big thing. So, you know, having a friend that had done it before me and it could talk to me about it and then going through your course, Kip, that's where I really was able to take my skills that I learned in the Navy and translate them uh, over. And so looking through, I had to look at, you know, I've, I've been taking logs. I've been doing trend analysis. I've been, you know, doing asset management in, in the sense of, you know, we had to handle radioactive material and be accountable for that. And um, as well as just parts in general, right? Um, you know, I've been handling audits year after year. I mean, as, as Jason can attest to, um, the nuclear propulsion world is full of audits. I mean, six months, you're probably getting audited in, in something every three to six months, you know, especially on an operational uh, vessel. And that's really stressful, you know, because you constantly have people coming in and, and picking at your stuff and, you know, telling you where you're, you know, messing up. And it can also be constructive because you get to identify those, those problems. And um, the entire audit process and how to handle it, how to remediate deficiencies, track deficiencies, you know, implement new policies to prevent them from recurring. These are all things I picked up in the Navy and, you know, translate very well 
into my current job. You know, it's just the lingo that's different. Yeah. You know, now it's computer systems yeah. instead of propulsion systems. Yeah, I and, love and it. And you're, you're right. I mean, when you talk about something like an operational reactor safeguard exam that you do in the Navy, um, that is very much similar to what we do in the GRC world, the governance, risk, and compliance world inside of cybersecurity. And like you said, the difference is instead of looking at you know nuclear reactor parts and pieces, we're now looking at computers and parts and pieces and how they're different done in different configurations to be secured. Yeah. I really love this uh, this this last segment here, listening to you talk, Sebastian, because it, it just in my mind right now, I'm just like, yes, this is what Jason and I talk about quite a bit is this idea of transferable skills, right? Is just being able to connect the dots between what you're doing now or what you've done in the recent past and how that actually uh, translates both conceptually and sometimes actually pretty mechanically to you know the kinds of duties that you're going to pick up in a new cybersecurity career. And I think you've done a fabulous job of, of actually laying that out. And I think uh, the, the, you know, the, the challenge for people who aren't in cybersecurity though is just, they really can't see that, right? It's murky, it's a little foggy. It's like they don't, they can't actually, it's hard to actually look into a career field that you've never been a part of and to be able to connect those dots. And so I think that's that's one of the big uh, kind of insights that you're bringing to the audience today is the fact that, you know, if you can connect those kinds of dots between working in the nuclear world and then working in just, you know, IT security, if you can do that, well, gosh, you know, that those connections must exist for a lot of different careers then. Yeah, you know, the other thing is, as you're moving out of the military, you know, a lot of people in the military have some skill sets that don't necessarily translate directly to other civilian jobs. Um, You know, I spent a lot of time with the military, and there's a lot of guys that come out after 20 years of driving ships as a surface warfare officer. Uh, Unless they're going to go drive container ships around the world, that is not going to be something they're going to do for the next 20 years of their life when they retire. And so they have to figure out, what are those skills I had that are going to be directly transferable? And I've seen a lot of people go from being commanding officers of of a ship to being the mayor of a town or a business administrator for a town or working in you know business operations and things like that that they could take the management skills and things like that that they've learned and apply those to other careers I think it's really important for us when we're applying for jobs in the cybersecurity world to be able to make that link easier for hiring managers because as a hiring manager if I came across Sebastian's resume and I saw he was a nuclear uh, person in the Navy I know what that means but Kip probably has no idea because he never did it. He doesn't. He hasn't been dealing with that. And so, you know, it's important that as Sebastian writes his resume, he's writing it for that person like Kip and not that person like me who already knows the lingo, who already understands what that experience represents. Um, that said, if you can find somebody like me who's hiring and you happen to have that background and I understand it, I'm going to grab you out because I know what that's worth. And so there are those things you have to think about as you start doing that networking function to figure out who are these other people who went through this nuclear pipeline and understand it that can help give me a leg into a company. Yeah, and as an, as a former Air Force person, right, as I'm listening to Sebastian talk, well, I don't know anything about the nukes, but I can tell you that working in the Air Force, you know, with, uh, with it doesn't matter, like, you know, I worked in some air-to-air weapons testing squadrons. Okay, well, guess what? We had assets, we had operational readiness inspections, right? We had all that stuff, and it all completely translates over uh, in just the same way that Sebastian was describing. So, and, uh, and it's, I just think it's really cool that here's three guys who were, you know, had military experience, didn't didn't join the military to learn anything about cybersecurity, but ultimately, all three of us kind of found our way uh, to the cybersecurity career field, 
And, um, and so, you know, I hope that inspires people, gives, you know, gives you a kind of a vision for what's possible. Maybe you're in the military right now, or maybe you're in a, uh, maybe you're in a situation uh, early in life where you're not sure what you want to want to do yet. And, and if you're, if you qualify for military service, then, um, you know, maybe go in and get cybersecurity expertise, but even if you're unable to get a cybersecurity job right off the bat, know that all this experience that you would accumulate in other career fields is still going to provide you with uh, a transition, right? So you might be thinking at this point about a two-step process, right? Jason, you've talked about that a lot in previous episodes, you know, this whole idea of two-stepping into cybersecurity. So um, anyway, I just find these patterns just, you know, repeat, repeat, repeat. Uh, Sebastian, I want to ask you now about some of the uh, specific things that were really helpful to you. And you've already mentioned several. You've mentioned how important it was to have somebody, a friend who had already made the transition who could uh, help you, right? Sort of explain to you how, how that transition works, where the mm -hmm. points of commonality are. You know, you had some, uh, you had some other mentors. Um, uh, what about, you know, things like, uh, you had mentioned to me, like hack, hack the box, uh, was really important. Tell us about that. Tell us about really any other any other things that you found were like you know particularly useful. Okay, so um, when I got started, I realized too I, I needed kind of a multi pronged approach. So I knew like one thing wouldn't do it, and you hear that all the time. Like you can't just get certifications, you can't just go to school. Uh, so I said, well, I'm going to have to do all of it, uh, which is a balancing act for sure. Uh, so I got started on my master's degree. Uh, I was very particular when I chose it, I, I made a point of finding a technical program uh, because I kind of knew I already had some of those, you know, the transferable skills were going to come over. I didn't want to go to school to have somebody tell me how to do management. I wanted to learn the technical. Uh, so I was able to find a technical program that was going to help bring me up to speed. So it added five classes to the program. Uh, but I took things, uh, courses in data structures, data structures, computer systems, programming, um, I think that was the big one, and distributed systems uh, before mm -hmm. I even started into the core of the coursework. Would you mind um, mentioning the program? Do you, do you feel okay telling people? Absolutely, yes. So I'm going to DePaul University out of Chicago. So it's a private uh, university uh, going on my GI Bill, which is you know fantastic benefit. Um, and the other one I would mention is uh, my friend went to NYU and they have the program which is a similar idea where you apply for this bridge program if you're a non-technical person coming from outside IT and they bring you up to speed and then that supports you entering into the technical you know graduate program so um, now Sebastian you had mentioned you had your bachelor's degree uh, from when you were in the Navy as an instructor what was your degree that you got at, at a bachelor's level uh, so it's in nuclear energy engineering technology. So it's a pretty okay. standard degree a lot of nukes get uh, we get a lot of credit for it uh, just from going through the program. So as Jason mentioned, it's kind of a, you know, bachelor's degree in 18 months. Uh, so they do give you credit for that. And all you really have to do is take, it's really a lot of gen eds and some polishing classes. Yeah. Um, so. So, yeah, the reason I bring that up is because, you know, for our audience, right, um, one of the things I usually recommend is people don't go for their master's degree when they're trying to get into cybersecurity. Right. Because what you can find is that once you have your master's degree, people will say, oh, you have this master's degree, you've got maybe Security Plus and Pentest Plus or whatever mm -hmm. certifications, but you have no experience. And so they are starting to think, oh, you want this high, high pay band because you have a master's degree and you start pricing yourself out of the market. It's something mm -hmm. that can be very dangerous for folks. Um, in your case, 
you haven't finished the degree yet, so I think you're okay. Uh, and you already <laughs> have gotten your first job and kind of working right. your way through it, right? So um, it is one of those things that I usually tell people, wait on their master's degree until they get their foot in the door with you know getting some experience under their belt as well to pair it up with that master's degree. So I just wanted to point that out for the audience to make sure people don't get the wrong message there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense. And that was actually something I did think about. And But for me... I, I realized, like you said, being in progress, to me, that was the message I wanted to send. You know, I'm in the process of doing this, uh, so I'm pursuing this. I didn't, uh, yeah, definitely never thought that the master's degree alone would do it. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I got a job before I finished it. I think that could have been an awkward conversation, uh, you know, and, later on down the road. And I think the other thing, you know, in, in your case is that you were getting out of the military and you had your GI Bill to use. And, mm -hmm. and for those who don't know, when somebody gets out of the military and they're using their GI Bill, the GI Bill covers their schooling, it covers their books 100%, and it also gives them a, a stipend, a housing allowance for them to pay basically their mortgage or their rent. So, you know, a lot of people do that when they get out, they'll go to college, even if they already have a job and they don't need the college because they're getting that extra benefit from Uncle Sam being able to give them some money. And so it does make a lot of sense for military folks to use that, mm -hmm. um, but it is something you have to be careful about. And, and even if you had your degree finished, it may be something where you think about, okay, for this job, I'm gonna list it on my resume. For this other job, I'm not, because based on the job you're applying for, it can be a detractor. And right. so it's just sure. like certifications. I, I have 20, 25 certifications. I don't list all of them on a job application. I list the ones that are relevant. And the same thing with a master's degree, I think is important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, Sebastian. And you're right. I'm, that, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go, ahead and, go ahead and respond to Jason. We've had <laughs> another question. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. That extra, I do consider going to school kind of my side hustle. You know, people talk yep. about it all the time. What, what do you do for a side hustle? Well, I go to school. You know, I'm collecting that GI Bill money. And if I don't go to school, it just goes to waste. So. Yep. So the question I wanted to ask you, Sebastian, is you said that you searched for a master's degree program that had a technical component to it. Would you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about like, how did you know to do that? And then how did you actually, uh, you know, how were you actually able to choose to know which master's degree programs had the technical, you know, aspects that you wanted? Well, you know, at first, I don't think I did know to look for that. Um, you know, I just kind of started looking at schools, uh, probably looked at a, probably about a dozen, dozen programs. Um, and I, I talked to a few admissions counselors. I started applications at a few and talking to one, I realized like, I, this is kind of what helped me realize how broad cybersecurity was, uh, especially when you get into terms like, you know, some people still call it information security, which is, you know, related, but slightly different. Um, and I realized like some of the programs were, you know, information security programs and they were very like GRC focused, which isn't a bad thing at all. Uh, but for me, I, I wanted to get that technical skill set uh, built up and fill in those holes in my knowledge. And so then I talked to a couple where I could tell they were technical because they said, well, you're going to need experience. You know, you're going to need coursework in X, Y, and Z from your undergrad to get admitted to this program. And I said, oh, I don't have that. <laughs> um, you know, and it was things like data structures and algorithms and these sorts of classes. And that, I think, was what keyed me in. I was like, well, I want to learn that stuff. You know, that's that stuff interests me. I like programming. I always have uh, just never had the time to dig into it. And funny enough, DePaul is where I was going to go to school before I joined the Navy. Uh, so it was kind of a natural thing for me to look at. And I actually avoided it at first because I didn't want to, like, go there out of some nostalgia type of thing. Um, but then it ended up being the program that made, you know, the most sense for me and where I was. 
and they were going to help me do what I wanted to do. So and I have to say, yeah. I've been pretty pleased with the coursework so far. So I'm curious, when you got out of the military, um, you, know, you left the Navy, you had about 10 years in, you're kind of a mid-career person. Um, you, you said you got a job. What was that first job that you got getting out of the military? Yeah, so I am working at an open source software company right now uh, as a cybersecurity analyst is the title. However, I would say the job roles are quite a bit more varied. Um, so uh, the job became aware to me uh, through somebody I knew. Uh, they sent me the post and said, hey, you should apply for this. And uh, I, you know, I made my way through the interview process. And I actually called Kip and I said, Kip, I need you to help me uh, get ready for this final interview round. Because uh, I went through the HR round, I went through the technical round, and everything went well. Um, and they had given me a, a very long, almost a day-long interview process. Um, and it was very—I would—I would say it was very culturally focused at the end of the day. Uh, but as part of that, I had to give a 30-minute presentation on projects, things I had been doing, what I had been working on, and why, basically, why I was qualified for the job. And you know, so I talked to Kip about that and he helped me come up with a few things to look into as well as to help kind of formulate my ideas. And I think that presentation was actually a, a good thing. It was very intimidating at first. You know, I have to do this very long interview. I have to talk in front of, you know, quite a few people, which isn't a problem. I've been an instructor for four years. Talking in front yep. of people doesn't bother me. You know, I've, I've lectured to 100 people at a time before. Um, and, but it gave me a chance to, Kind of highlight everything I had been doing. So I took the time to highlight those transferable skills, and I actually said things like, you know, in the Navy, I managed radioactive material inventory. Okay, well, that's the same as asset management. You know, uh, in the Navy, I took logs on things, and I looked for trends, and I I did trend analysis, and I conducted incident incident response. Well, that's the same as looking at firewall logs. You know, and you know, IDS logs and doing incident response. Like these are the same things. So while my technical skills need uh, polishing, I can do this. Like this is the same thing I've been doing. And I actually got a compliment after the interview on, on that, you know, and, and one person said, I really liked how you laid those things out and drew those parallels, so. Awesome, so you said you had somebody who pointed that out to you. Was that person already working at that company or is it just yes. they saw this job and, okay, see, that yep. also helps. And that's one of the things that, you know, Kip Absolutely. and I talk about this a lot is networking and building your network of people really does help because somebody can say, hey, I've got this job opening in my company. I can't guarantee you the job because I'm not the hiring manager, but I could put a good word in and get you out of the, the big stack of resumes to be considered to at least get to the interview. And now it's on you to impress them through those three interviews. Uh, and that's probably what ended up happening in your case. You got out of the thousand person stack of, of entries into the small stack that the hiring manager actually looked at because your mm -hmm. friend said, hey, I know this guy's applying and he's good. Yeah, and I call that having an internal champion a lot of yeah. you might hear that, like other people talk about that, right? Um, and that actually is a common uh, uh, thing in just uh, sales, right? Sales and marketing um, is, you know, you're trying to figure out, you know, how you can meet somebody who could buy something that you've got to sell. Having an internal champion, somebody on the inside who knows you, trusts you, likes you, believes that you've got something to offer that will help, you know, the company do better, and they can open a door that you 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 can't even see. You don't even know there was a door there. Yeah. All of a sudden, there's a hole in the wall, and you can walk through it, right? It's so it's like magic, right? Absolutely. And the other, I would say, the other big thing, and I, you you guys have brought this up before, is I did get to leverage my security clearance. Uh, so that was. 
you know, an added bonus. And I think that's also part of why they, they actually gave me the job fairly far out from my separation date uh, from the Navy, which uh, for anyone that's been through a military separation, it's, it's not like quitting a normal job, right? You don't have the luxury <laughs> of, of hunting for a job, the right job, while you still work the one you want to leave, right? You kind of have to say, well, I'm going to get out and you get a 30 to 60 day window um, to do that. And so that's, that's kind of stressful. Yeah. And generally you have to tell the Navy a year ahead of time, Hey, I'm planning on leaving. Um, mm -hmm. and they have to approve you to leave. And then once they finally say you can leave, then that starts that, that year out process. But most companies won't talk to you. They don't want to listen to you because until you are out of the Navy or within 30 days of getting out, they're not bothering to interview you a year out and saying, yeah, we have a job lined up for you in 2023. Uh, they're not thinking that far out. And, and so mm -hmm. it does, become a very difficult thing and a difficult process to go through as you're trying to separate out of the, uh, the military. Any idea Absolutely. why your current employer felt comfortable waiting for you? Um, I, if I had to guess, although no one's ever said, um, references, and I would say the security clearance. Um, you know, if, if you've got a, I'm just thinking from my perspective here, uh, if I was hiring two people and, and one has a clearance and can start work in three months, and the other doesn't, and I know it takes at least six months for them to get a clearance, well, I'm still better off hiring the one I have to wait for. Mm. So. Yeah. Now, does, yeah, your, does the job that you have now require you to, to use your security clearance? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so security clearances are a big deal, right? Because it can take anywhere from, I've seen them as fast as three months to as long mm -hmm. as 18 to 24 months uh, for a secret or top secret clearance. So having that already means that I as an employer can hire you and put you to work on Monday and not hire you, start paying you for the next six to nine to 12 months while I'm waiting for your clearance. And so big companies, uh, things like Booz Allen, Hamilton, General Dynamics, um, Deloitte, they may hire you without a clearance because they have enough internal work they can have you work on in a non-cleared environment until your clearance comes through. But if you're working for a smaller company, um, for instance, I'm working with a, a local SOC here that they're working on the security clearance process and they might have 50 people. Uh, with 50 people, I can't afford to have five of them waiting for clearances. That's 10% of my staff that I'm not getting paid for because until they're cleared, I can't get paid on my government contract. And, and so clearances are a big deal, you're right. Um, I would also say I'm willing to bet that your internal champion probably made them realize, hey, this is the guy we want. He's really good and put in some good words. And so because of their recommendation, that internal referral, that probably helped your case as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it definitely a multifaceted thing. And I was just really... I was so very grateful, you know, it was huge. I was, uh, I was moving at the time into a new house and, you know, life was crazy. Uh, you add into that the entire pandemic issue, you know, and I'm questioning my sanity for getting out of the military in the first place. Um, you know, and to have them call and say, Hey, you got the job was, you know, it was a great feeling. And to be honest, it was far enough out that I hadn't even been seriously looking for jobs yet. you know, I had applied to maybe two others at that point. Um, but like Kip said, you know, people would usually won't talk to you right now. The going number is about 60 to 90 days from separation is when people will, you know, take you seriously. So what about something like hack the box? Um, you had mentioned that, uh, was there any other, uh, like tools around hard skills that you thought were really helpful to you? Yeah. So I, I love hack the box. I'm now a big fan of try hack me. Uh, I think they've come a long way as a platform. And even if you're not going to get into, you know, hardcore pen testing, uh, one, those platforms help you learn a lot of the tools that are out there for both, you know, red team and blue team. 
And it's a really cool way, I think, to get hands-on with technology. Um, you know, sometimes I see people give the advice, you know, just set up a home lab. Uh, but if you're just coming in to IT, that advice is very overwhelming. Um, whereas something like Try Hack Me or Hack the Box, where they're going to take you step, help you step through these processes, well, maybe that helps you understand what Samba shares are, right? Whereas if somebody tells you to just set up a Samba share, well, you're like, I don't even know what that is, <laughs> you know, let alone how to set one up. Yeah. Is um, there dancing involved? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. And, um, and that's, that's another thing I always poke fun of in IT is all the funny names people give things. You know, I yep. was, I was working on a, a project with somebody and we were doing it in Python and, you know, he's like, oh, well, we're going to put this in a pickle and then we're going to use it with pandas. And then we're going to do this. And I said, so we're going to feed the pickles to the pandas <laughs> and that's how we're going to get what we want. And he was like, exactly. I was like, cool. Um, <laughs> Don't forget to drop the panda in a container. <laughs> absolutely. Right. Um, so when you're first getting started, there's this entire new language you have to learn. And I think those platforms by being a little bit smaller scope, you know, it's you versus one thing or looking at one thing. It really helped me get familiar with protocols and terms and, and then from there, I, I did set up a simple home lab at first, you know, once I kind of understood more and I spent a lot of time digging through, you know, networking information, trying to figure out how to set up the right network interfaces and all that. And that was all great experience. And now my, my home lab set up today is much more involved, you know, than it was then, it's, you know, more like a real network rather than just a couple of machines plugged into a, you know, a dummy switch. Um, and, and so I, I did all those things and it was really just helping me get kind of a holistic view of everything, I think. And uh, I, I would I would really recommend those platforms to people, like I said, even if you're not going to go into red teaming. Well, one, you have to figure out if that's what you want to do. Um, but also, it's just a really fun way to learn. It's very hands-on, so you can learn a lot. Yeah, and I, I want to affirm something uh, here. As a hiring manager, I even if I'm going to put somebody on a blue team, the fact that they've spent some time uh, sort of operating as a red teamer, even even you know a red teamer with training wheels, however you want to say it, uh, mm -hmm. you know that's going to put in your head at least this idea of okay, that's the kind of adversary that I can expect is going to make trouble for me as a blue mm -hmm. teamer, right? And so right. I think that that is super helpful to people. So I want to I want I want to completely agree with you, Sebastian, about about that particular point. So yeah, so even if you're like, hey, blue team all the way, no, you know, there's, you will not waste your time doing any of this, uh, you know, red team training and, and trying, you know, just trying to understand, you know, what mm -hmm. it's all about. So, okay, so um, we have been going on for uh, quite some time now. And I want to uh, kind of change the topic here a little bit and start, you know, wrapping up the episode. So Sebastian, what what's next for you? So congratulations, you've got your dream cybersecurity job. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's, that's why I wanted you to to come and be our guest today to share your story with with us and with our audience to inspire them. But um, you know, since you're a person who has all these uh, you know side hustle mentality, um, what are you doing now? Like, what's next for you over the next twelve months? Uh, well, school is a big part of that. Uh, you know, it takes a lot of time and energy. Uh, so if you're going to go that route, you've got to be ready to, you know, commit that. Even if you are getting a nice paycheck uh, <laughs> as part of it, it still eats up a lot of your energy. And um, so aside from that, I'll, I'll probably try and pick up, you know, another certification or two. Uh, I tend to try to do that on my on my breaks just to keep busy. Um, 
Long term, though, I, I would like to move more into, you know, like a security engineer type of position, I think is kind of the way I'm, I'm headed uh, with some of the projects I've taken on board and, and what I'm doing now in my current role. And uh, aside from that, long term, I, I would like to get back into the training, uh, training side of things, you know, in the future. Uh, I really enjoyed that as an instructor uh, in the Navy, right? I, I like watching people grow. I like mentoring people and, and seeing things click for them. Like that's really satisfying for me. Uh, it makes a lot of sense now to me why Jason has a training business, um, <laughs> you know, after being the, the same type of instructor I was. So um, yeah, it's a lot. And, and I think it, it's always hard. I think my, if you ask me on a different day, my answer could change, um, you know, because cybersecurity is such a, a, a broad field and, and trying to, Keep yourself focused and kind of narrow it down is it's a challenge every day i think yeah and i definitely have shiny object syndrome every time i see a new research paper come in or a mm -hmm. cool new article <laughs> somebody's written or whatever you know and i'm just like oh i'm gonna go check that out absolutely absolutely <laughs> never enough hours in the day kip <laughs> no absolutely not no but uh but i enjoy it i'm an in i consider myself to be an infinite learner I think you guys do as well. Um, I'm always interested in something new and, and interesting. It's like candy for my brain. Mm -hmm. And then once I figure stuff out, just like you guys, I enjoy sharing, you know, how I see things with other people with the idea that it'll help them get traction and let them accomplish the goals that they want to accomplish. So anyway, super happy for you, Sebastian, and what you've been able to accomplish and where you're where you're at and the fact that you can even contemplate like okay now what right i've made the transition and now what am i going to do how am i going to build on it i think that's mm -hmm. fantastic so i just want to invite any final comments from you sebastian and then uh jason uh maybe you could wrap up the episode for us yeah uh so i just want to say you know if you're out there uh working on this you know keep going keep grinding away at it it's, it's a challenge and uh i think the biggest thing though if i could say one thing is fine somebody insecurity that came from the world that you're leaving i think that's the biggest thing because that's going to give you the best you know roadmap to follow uh initially you know and the other thing is thanks kip you know you've been a big part of this journey all this time and, and jason has too you know normally when he's on the screen i'm not talking to him he's just talking to me <laughs> um, you know so it's it's fun to have this going both ways now um you know but it's it's been good and uh, i really appreciate you having me on the show Thank you, Sebastian, for joining us today. Uh, you know, it, it's been great to have you as a student of my certification courses, as a student of KIPP's, um, you know, hired program, helping people get hired and get into their dream jobs. And it's great to see where you've come. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us today for this episode of Your Cyber Path. Uh, if you love the podcast, we'd really like it if you could take a moment and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. It does help the show get found by others who need this content. And so until next time, we'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Your Cyber Path. Don't miss an episode. Press the subscribe button now. If you would like to learn more about how to get your dream cybersecurity job, then be sure to visit yourcyberpath.com, where you can access the show notes, search the archive of our top tips and tricks, and discover some fantastic bonus content. <laughs>